You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Mike Lewis. Good morning, everybody. I got a quick, quick few questions for you, okay? I mean, they may be obvious and just so, just give me a response back real quick. Uh, how long did the hundred years uh, war last? Uh, which country makes the uh, Panama hats? From which animal do we get cat gut? Any, any old fisherman here remember how you tie a cat gut line? No, okay, okay. Uh, in which month did the Russians celebrate the October Revolution? Y'all tracking? Okay. All right. What is camel hair brush made out of? What was King George VI? What was his first name? What color is uh, purple finch? All right, here we go. Where did the Chinese gooseberries, where did they come from? And one last one. What is the color of the black box in the commercial airplanes? All right, here, you ready for some answers? How long the war, 100 year war? It's 116 years. Uh, which country makes Panama hats? Ecuador. From which animal do we get cat gut? Sheep and horses. Which month did the Russians celebrate the October Revolution? November. And what is the camel hair brush made out of? Squirrel. Don't tell Megan. If y'all didn't hear that, somebody said, don't tell Megan. Of course, you don't know what she did with those squirrels. A lot of camel hair, maybe. Anyway, number six. Canary Islands in the Pacific are named after what animal? Dogs. What are King George VI? Is named Albert. What color is a purple finch? Crimson. Where are the Chinese gooseberries? Where are they from? New Zealand. And what's the color of the black box? Orange. Now, I wonder if I did the same thing concerning Christmas. I wonder how many of you are absolutely sure you got this Christmas thing down pat. Or how many of you have already given up? I mean, how how many of you have, if anybody, those of you online as well, has anybody got just so tired of all the confusion and all the hustle and bustle until you just settle down and say, I think your meter is pretty low right now. My Christmas meter is pretty low. Or how many of you had enough happen and lived long enough until your Christmases now have a reminder built into them of some pain and sorrow that you've been through to now when you think about Christmas and celebrating and no, I don't think so. I wonder how much it affected you along the way. I wonder how, how did you get where you are? And how are you going to do this December? I mean, I think, I think y'all would 
agree with me, we have had one year. <laughs> Two years. My question to you this morning, I'm going to be really brief. I got one point. My question to you is this. What are you going to do with the next 25 days that is some of the most important days on our calendar and in the Bible? What are you going to do with those days? Are you going to just poo-poo the whole thing? Are you going to grinch out? Well, let me ask you even a better question than that. What do you think God wants for you this Christmas? If you ask this question to him, what do you have? What would you like for me to do and what would me like to be like in the next 25 days? What is your will for me? I think it's a great question. I think we ought to take some of this stuff off of automatic pilot. And I think we should take Christmas again. You know, Dean's dad had this wonderful phrase. We'd go to see him in Georgetown. And uh, he and Miss Freeman both they had retired, and so we you know, we'd go down for years and see them. And you know, Christmas time, and we'd come, we'd sit down, and he'd go, he'd get anything, anything to eat or drink would be fine as long as it was around the table. And he'd say, "Tell you what, let's take a little Christmas. Let's sit down. Let's stop. Pause." Get sobered up enough that we can start entering into a season. That's always loved that phrase. Let's take so I'm inviting you to let's take Christmas this year. You know, the truth of the matter is that we all were born with a hole in our soul. Is that true? Now, if you never quite identified that, then let me let me make sure because <clears throat> God made Adam complete and made Eve complete. There was no hole in the soul until they sinned and were separated from God. And when God's spirit left them, it left this God-shaped vacuum inside of the human being. We are, we are in the image of God. We were born after God. God gave birth to us, as it were. He made us. And then when that part removed from us, the human beings all over the planet ever since have been searching and trying to fill that one spot. Anybody here can identify with that journey? How many of you tried to fill it? You tried, you tried to fill it with work. You tried to fill it with money. You tried to fill it with position. You tried to fill it with some feeling good about you. You tried to fill it with some notoriety, some way you're good at something. Anything that you can possibly get your hands on to try to stop that ache and stop the emptiness and have meaning and have purpose and everything you cram in there, nothing fits that spot. Let me tell you what heaven, let me tell you what hell is. Then I'll go to heaven. Hey, I believe in a literal hell. Hell exists, no doubt about it. I was fairly clear on that. But in my journey, when I was doing the real search and trying to find God after I already got kind of discouraged with his kids and didn't have much trouble with God, but his kids are really, some of his kids are weird. Have anybody known that? 
some of God's kids are weird. And you got to be careful you don't put the face of God on weird people. And you do that sometimes in church and people reject the whole church because you got some weird people. Don't do that. It's okay for people to be weird. Just let them be weird. They're God's kids. <laughs> He'll take care of them. He's responsible for that. But on that journey as I was searching, when you try everything you know to try in the world and it doesn't satisfy and you hit this place of hopelessness and you wonder if you'll ever find it, Now that's hell. Hell is when you can't find relief in the church and you can't find it in the world. You know why I'm calling that hell? Because it's harder than any other place to search. Heaven is when you find it. It's that person who puts things back together. I, I remember, I, I remember, I I'm a teenage boy now, and I was so confused about church stuff. I remember after I ran that route, and it was a dead end, dead end street. Anybody ran a dead end street besides me? And we got to the end of that thing, and it just, uh. I remember one night having my talk with God, sitting in my car. And I said, I don't know about all that church stuff, but here's what I know you're the creator. And you made me. And I'm broke. And you can fix me. Because you created me. Now if we can connect on those two things. We got a relationship going. I mean it's a true, true story. I said don't even though expect. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do all the church stuff do. I'm not trying to please any church people. I'm not into all that stuff. It's me and you God. Me and you baby. Can you accept me on those terms? And I feel like he said, absolutely. So I prayed repentance prayer, came back to God. Didn't change one thing I was doing. And one thing I was doing, by the way, back then was smoking. So if, if you're smoking, that's, I'm not going to condemn you for that. I did. And a matter of fact, I carried it right on to me to Bible school. Nobody knew it. And so when I was in Bible school, I was praying in the middle of the day. I found this little room I'd go pray. So I went in that little room and I prayed every day during lunchtime. So I was in there praying one day. This is honest truth. So I'm praying and I do, I kind of have this like, it's like when the Lord, it's not like a, a full-blown vision. It's like he, would, he triggers your imagination. And he triggered my imagination. I saw a window frame. And I saw Jesus in the window frame. I saw his, his face. And I saw smoke all around him. And he says, <coughs> can you give me a break down here? <laughs> Honest true story. That was it. Never did it again. But I did it because he told me to. You see the difference? And that relationship with God was real. Look with me at Psalm 16. You will show me the path of life. I want you to say that with me. Just, just say that first verse with me. You will show me what? Now, Father, I pray for every person in this building and every person online who right now are in that search. 
trying to find life. And you promise that you will show us the direction and how to find that life. And I agree with every single person that God will do this in your life and he will begin to do it this month in December. Would you agree with me? Yeah. And look at what the second portion says. And your presence is what? And your what? Your presence. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The one word I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes that I don't want you to miss this Christmas is it's all about presence. It's all about presence. And it's all about his presence. How many of you guys have ever had your wife to you be talking, she's talking to you and she takes your face and she turns it toward her? Okay, men, okay, how about this section? See, my suspicion is that's how it is with God. When you start being intentional with him and you start listening and you start leaning into I think he's kind of like your wife. And I think he says, I like that. Tell me more. I think that's when he stirs up. See, there are different ways to know him. And his presence is manifested in different ways. Look what it says in Psalms 103.7. He made his ways known to Moses. But to the children of Israel, he made known his what? See, friend, it's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to know about his acts. It's another thing to know his person. It's one thing to tell the story for the children of Israel, tell the story, oh, what it was like to go through this and go through that. Oh, that's wonderful. But with Moses, he says, Moses knew my character. Moses knew my heartbeat. Moses just didn't see what I did. He saw who I was. We had a relationship together that was manifest in him having an inside scoop with me. And I don't know if that is what drove him so much, but he, he developed this real sense of wanting to see God. Moses, one of the most incredible Old Testament characters, he, he, he went up the mountain, came down with the Ten Commandments. He stayed with God until his, his, actually his hair and his face glowed. He actually had to put something over it. It was so bright for the people. For the glory of God was such until it had that effect on the flesh, on Moses' flesh, when he came down from the mountain. Because it's, it's hard for us as human beings to understand the gravity of the pureness of God, the holiness of God, and how, how majestic he is, how powerful he is. And what he said to Moses is, he said, if I show you who I am and show you all this stuff, it will kill you. So what he said was, it's an interesting scripture. Let me read it to you. He said, the Lord continued. And there is a place, he said to Moses, where you can stand on a rock and when my glory, when my presence passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed. In other words, I'll protect you 
from the glory. And then when I get far enough away until it's safe, I'll remove my hands and you will see my back. This is the Old Testament, but you can't see my face. What I wish I had enough time to unpack is why Christmas is so incredibly important with the presence of God after thousands and thousands of years of not having any access to God through ceremonies, through sacrifices. The priests could go in once a year. The king had access to God in some, some small way. Prophets did, but nobody else. And now you go through time and the dream in God's heart was always for him to be reconnected. His dream always since the garden was that that came from me will come back to me. That which I formed and made and shaped out of who I am, that it will come back and it again will be whole as it was with me. But see, the, the fruit of the unwholeness is trying to fill the spot. All that is fruit of us trying to fill it. And so <clears throat> he, got, he got hungry for this thing with the Lord and the Lord showed him. And I don't know how old I was. I remember, and some, some, of, you, some, <clears throat> some of you guys just need to understand that, that this is a part of what's wrong with you. You're never going to find your answer until you find God. You're never going to find that place. It's never going to be fulfilled until you develop a relationship with God. Because you may know some of the acts of God, but your heart crying may be to know his ways. You may want to know him deeper. And his heart, and you, I think some of us more than others, but I remember as a boy not knowing what was wrong because I had such a desire for him. Y'all you know, have heard me tell the story. I remember now that I, when I look back, I, I wasn't a kid and all of a sudden I said, oh, Lord is speaking to me. It didn't happen that way at all. I was sitting up on the seat in the pews. Anybody remember when you had pews? And I was a little boy and I was leaning over to go to sleep. That's how small I was. And this whisper came in me and the whisper was, you need to listen to this because one day you'll use it. I had no idea that something was happening in terms of a yearning and a deep desire I had to connect with my creator. I, I didn't identify that. I went on to the next phase of life that I told you about and, and I still didn't identify this is what I'm longing for. And this, is what, this is what my heart is searching for. The Bible calls it hunger and thirst. I was hungry and I was thirsty after something and hadn't totally identified it yet. And when I finally developed this relationship with God, it just, I could see it along and along that it was just, I remember my dad on the service station and I remember a young boy pumping gas. And so I, I was that guy who pumped gas, washed the windows and checked the oil. You remember? No, I remember those days. Okay. <laughs> Both me and you. All right. <clears throat> and so I was that guy. And so, and I remember this guy came up to the station to get gassed, and he said to mom, he said, uh, that young man right there, God's got his hand on him. I don't know why, but it was like, 
That's the most important thing in my life. Is, is that true? Could it be that Jesus came for me? I mean, can you wipe it all out and have Christmas to be about a child? God himself coming as a baby because you were lost? Oh my, it's, you know, it's December 25th and there's all kinds of stuff. I don't care what date it is. We could pick June the 15th. I wouldn't care. It's probably going to be about the same temperature anyway. <laughs> Around here, all I'm caring about is the day where the focus and the reality of what God did some 2,000 years ago, we take a moment and we enter back into it and enter into the realness and enter into what God intended. And what he intended and the reason he came, folks, was for presence. It's all, we are, we are wired for it. And you oftentimes heard me say this, this thing of presence, <clears throat> there's a thing, God's everywhere at one time. He's omnipresent. Is that yes, yes or no? Yes? yes. So this morning when you got up and walked in front of the mirror, and went to the bathroom, God was there. And then what did you say? Did you say, oh, Jesus. <laughs> or did you say, oh, Jesus, help me. But he was there, yes? How many of you experienced, just in your opinion, just your opinion now, in your opinion, you experienced a greater sense of God's presence during worship today than happened in front of your sink? Anybody let me see your hand if you've experienced more presence. Why, what is that called? That is called manifest presence. That's called when God chooses to manifest himself. Now, it, it makes sense to me to talk in electrical terms, but I am not talking about God's electricity, okay? That's not what I mean. It's just an illustration, so don't sell me down the road for being a heretic. He's not, Ill, he's, he's, he's not that. He's, he is energy, but he's not that energy. He's a person. He's a you know, three-person God. So anyway, the way I explain it is this is that there's a low voltage in front of your mirror because you got everything else on your mind. You know, especially the mirror. And then probably the bathroom next. So you all got all kinds of stuff clogged up. You get all that taken care of, you get all dressed, and now you come, you worship through a few songs, you get focused again. And as you get focused and you lean in, God gets your attention again. And now that he has your attention, it's like it's a natural response. Moves closer to you. And the closer he moves to you, the more you sense his presence. And it's, 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 it's almost like I use the phrase, where have you ever had somebody looking at you and you thought they were looking at you and you turned to see if they were looking? And then one time they were looking <laughs> and you could feel them look. It's almost like God comes, almost unbeknowing, and all of a sudden, his presence is there. Now, the reason I'm saying this, friends, is because I think the most important thing of Christmas is that you re-engage with the presence of God. What you need is his presence. I can't give you that. 
What I can do is I can hold your hand and we can raise your hand and I can say, God Almighty, we need a savior. We need somebody to put your hand in this person's hand. And I can be a connector for you and God can do for you what he needs to do. But I can't do that. That source don't come from me. You may be sitting here with a broken heart. I can't heal that. But I know who can. Why did Jesus come? To heal the brokenhearted. To set free those who are captive. To minister to the broken. To give hope to the hopeless. That's why he came. Because it was all about proximity now. Because he had to come. To do what he had to do and do on the cross. So he could, in fact, reach you. I ran across this song some years ago. I liked it. Some people don't, but that's okay. Uh, and the name of it was Show Me Your Face. And here the backstory, now you can understand probably why I like it. Uh, the guy writes this as he writes his song. Show me your face, Lord. Show me your face. Then gird up my legs that I might stand in this holy place. Do, do y'all know that there is a, oftentimes an emotional and physical response to the Spirit of God? Have you ever had one? Have you ever, you ever had God's presence to show up like we just talked about? And then all of a sudden, you, physically, something starts to happen to you. I mean, I, <clears throat> some of you have done this too. You've prayed for people and laid your hands on them and prayed for people and your hands got a little warm as the Spirit of God begins to minister to them. It's just a physical reaction to it. Some, some people, sometimes there's tears. I, I had this one gal who came, and after church she came up to me, and she said, I'm never coming back to this place again. I said, why? She said, I cry. I said, well, that's what God's doing. She said, what do you mean what's what God's doing? I said, I don't like what God's doing, that's him. She said, I feel like I am a can, I'm a, a can and a, during service there's a can opener doing and it's opening me up. And when it opens me up, it finds all kinds of stuff inside. And my response is I started to weep. I said, good. She said, why? I said, it's because that's your response to what God's doing. I know Dean, Dean and I, we first started dating. We would worship together and have music in. And I found myself crying and weeping all the time, just she and I in the presence of God. And he's always doing a work. He's always doing something. You don't never know what it is particularly. But see, it's his presence. If you can take a God who is totally whole and then unwhole people and connect them together, now, now you can get your wholeness. It must have been five years ago when I ended up in this particular spot where I just needed ministry to. I just needed, I needed God to do something in me. And uh, I just needed, I just was in, in, internally, I felt desperate like I needed a touch from God. And so I'd been praying about that for a while. And then one morning, one morning, does it make, how many of you does it make sense here that I was in this little room and I was praying, just, just kind of hanging out with God. And his spirit comes and fills that room. How many of you does that make sense to you? Let me see your hand. How many of you said, that sounds weird to me. 
That's a weird deal. Who, who got in there? It, it's, it's, it would be as real as if I was in the kitchen and Dean would come walking in and she would start to work in the kitchen. And then I would not look at her. But I can almost tell you where she is. So he started, it was, just, it was like his presence was there. And it, would, it was like it was just, it was, if there's a word to describe peace, in, in the Bible, peace is a whole big word, which basically is including wholeness. Almost every, everything fits in that word peace. It was like, it was just like peace began to wash through me. Didn't do anything. I just was there, and he was there. And I get with you, and we would come. It lasted for probably about twenty to thirty minutes, and it would be like it was like a wave, and it would wash over. And every time it washed over, it was like things started dialing down, and it was kind of like it would ebb, and then it would come back and flow again. And it was the most tranquil thing I think I've ever experienced. I, I, felt, I felt totally complete. I felt like I didn't lack anything. I didn't want anything. It was like I was totally whole from his presence. And it just, it just kept going and kept going. And it's the closest thing for human I think to have an embrace when you really feel like somebody cares for you and loves, loves you. When it was over, whatever stuff I had was gone. I mean, just gone. No more pain, no more state of being. The presence. See, that's the reason you have stories in the New Testament where they bring people out who are sick they bring people out who are demon-possessed. They bring people out who are broken. And they lay them on the street for the disciples to come. And says, and even maybe the shadow of Peter may fall on some. Because there was such a ministry happening around the, the apostles with the presence of Jesus. So in this song, when it says, strengthen my legs... It's because a lot of times, particularly even around the Christmas story, when you read, read something about an angel showing up or something happened, and then they came and knelt. If you look at that word kneel, it doesn't mean they nicely, very formally knelt. No, it means they couldn't stand. And they literally went prostrate before the Lord or before the angels. They just couldn't stand. It was so weak, feeling so weak in his presence. And so... <clears throat> That's kind of the, the background. It starts with Moses. It starts before that. There's a promise that God said, after the fall, I'm going to sin. It's going to be the seed of woman, and he's going to get all this and win it back. It's coming. Then you went through the whole Old Testament, thousands of years, where they had sacrifices, but nobody had access to the presence of God except just a couple of people. Then David comes along. And David was a worshiper. And David looked back and he could see the law 
see what had happened in Moses' time, see what was happening in his day and time, because it's his son who built the temple. But also, David looked ahead. And somehow he had clarity, y'all. Somehow he saw how this thing in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, the temple, was all one day as a foreshadow of what was going to happen when God himself took on human form. Take a look. Why Christmas? It goes against everything in you. You don't want to believe it, but it's true. That before the fall ever happened, they had this meeting in heaven. And they said, you know, mankind is going to fall. Sin is going to enter in. And they're going to serve our arch enemy, Lucifer. But we've got to figure out a way to redeem mankind back to me. And then the idea was out. Well, a man, <clears throat> there's not a human being that could die for sin because every human being is contaminated. So the only way possible is for one of us that are sinless to take on human form and become what is placed now in Mary because the seed line, you know, to contaminate when it comes to the men. So now I can take a pure seed and I can put it in Mary. And that child that's going to be born will be sinless for the purpose, ultimate purpose of dying on a cross because he can, he's sinless, but he can die for you. And when the angels heard the discussion and said, you mean you're going to take your DNA and put in a human body? That's the only way. Well, that's, that's plan A. What's plan B? There is no plan B. So when, when God, the infinite God, puts on flesh, and is born. The thing you cry out that you can't believe is he did that just for you. Forget about the whole global thing. There's only one person he saw and that was you. Why? God is love. He loves you. He can't help it. And what blocks most people's Christmases from experiencing the presence is somehow they don't feel worthy or deserving. Could I tell you that not only did he come for you, but he successfully died on a cross as a sinless person and he took your sins away. So one big deal, yes, I remember the day it happened. But other times you come back and say, I need to reapply that. Forgive me in Jesus' name. And they've done that. 
So this Christmas season, let me ask you, would you not miss the presence? Well, Mike, you can't just turn it on and turn it off. I understand that. But you can make yourself available. You can be intentional. You can make room in your head, in your schedule. You can focus in on what you really want. And when you focus on it, it's just like the wife thing. He begins to respond. It says, when you draw near to him, guess what? He draws near what? To you. Show me your face. See, I could, I could have done a number of things. I, I thoroughly enjoy counseling and have all through the years. I enjoyed a number of other things. And I could have gotten some help, done different stuff. And, and that would have been just fine. But that wasn't what I feel like. That's what I needed. What I needed was God to touch me. And friends, so much of what you and I need coming out of all this stuff we've come up for the last two years, going into this season, is we need a fresh touch of his presence. So would you agree with me that from this day to the next 25 days, we will keep our eyes open. We will listen. We will watch. We will be attentive. And we just agree together that we are going to see God's face move this December. Somehow, some way, it will happen for you. Would you agree with me? I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. <clears throat> and we're going to sing that chorus again. If you would, just let it be a prayer for you for this December. Lord, show, show me your face. Reveal yourself to me. I bless you who are here at Balcony Online. I'm not going to try to give you any how-tos. I think that the how-to is your heart. Being honest with God and telling Him, I need you. I need a fresh touch of who you are. I need a fresh visit. I need an encounter with your presence. And I'm praying that this December, the very reason you came will take place in my life. And that is I'll connect with you. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Let it be a December, a Christmas of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great time. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.